It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm in this world and they made me a monster. All right, welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. We are like, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're about three quarters of the way done i'd say after tonight we probably just have eight left something like that maybe less i don't know i'm not exactly sure but we're we're, we're about three quarters of the way done uh it's another akiva only episode alex is i think he went back to pick up that table in upstate new york for his wife he just drove she i think she made him drive and then the most of the way there she's like actually come back i decided i don't want it and then, like, he was he came back, he got to the front door and she's like, you know what? I do want the table. And he had to drive back a second time. Maybe not. I don't know. That's probably what's happening. Anyway, uh, we have a new guest, one of our first uh, debutantes of um, of this football season. I There was like a lot of the debutante thing with um, what's that actress? Uh, she her, I think her sister was on the office, Ellie Kemper. And and people were like, oh, she was in some racist debutante ball. And, and nothing I don't think ever happened. It was just like, oh, I'm rich. I'm not going to respond. That's the move. Like, you just never say anything. And and then people go away. Anyway, um, did they let do you think they let Jews into debutante balls? I feel like it was really <laughs> not a like a Jew friendly place. So neither he nor I really have ever been to any debutante balls. But um, we like football. And anyway, this is Ian Rosenblum on the podcast talking the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Ian, welcome to 32 fans. Thank you for making your 32 fans debut tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kiva. Thank you for uh, introducing me with a little racist debutante ball uh, mm-hmm. introduction on Ellie Kemper. I did read that story. I don't think anything came out of it. But yeah, we didn't do much debutante balls. I think we did more trying to win like camper of the year or like color war captain. Yeah, that they're, was more... they're like debutante balls are our summer camp, really. That's like what we've replaced it for culturally. Uh, and also, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're from the Northeast. Like, I don't I think it's a Southern thing, honestly. I don't think they do that in the Northeast. Yeah, I, I can't say I had ever heard of a debutante ball until I watched the Amanda Bynes classic, She's the Man. So definitely was not something I was familiar with growing up. Yeah, I, I also think with with um, those types of things, like, do you remember finishing school? Remember people used to talk about finishing school? Like, it's a little more British, but you'd go to some school and they teach you, like, you eat the forks on the, the right side and the knives on the left side and don't eat until everyone sits down. Like, they give you all these, like, tips for life. For, yeah, you, edi- ed- become, etiquette school. Etiquette yeah. school, yeah. So it's like to become classy. Yeah, I could probably could have used that, honestly. 
Yeah, I, I don't really, you know, use two forks too often when I'm eating dinner at home. So I think uh, I was best served not uh, going to etiquette school growing up. I th- yeah, um, I, but I don't know if they have them anymore also. I'm not sure. Anyway, let's talk. Speaking of etiquette, no classier guy than Jerry Jones. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess the difference between your team and the other 32 teams is that, they're, you know, you guys are on Hard Knocks this year. So we can start there. We are, if you're curious, we're three out of five episodes into Hard Knocks. A lot of people are are lukewarm on the season so far. Other than that amazing tracking shot from uh, with the drones from from last week, what do you, what have you learned from Hard Knocks? What do you think of Hard Knocks so far? You know, Hard Knocks is exactly what I expected it to be, which is boring. For as much like glitz and glamours around the Cowboys, I don't really find their superstars currently to be the most dynamic personalities. Mm-hmm. Like Dak, I, I'm a huge Dak defender, and that's something we might get to. I think he's great. But I really don't think he's like the most dynamic, like TV personality, which I mean, it's Jersey sales say otherwise, since they're the highest in the league. But I don't think he's particularly dynamic. Amari Cooper is a very quiet guy. They only they're only big, like big name star currently on the defense is Demarcus Lawrence. And, you know, they've been showing him, but just a little bit more like in a leadership encouragement role. I just don't think they really have a ton of dynamic personalities and you know, until Mike McCarthy takes out a watermelon and smashes it, he's not exactly the most dynamic guy either. So it's really been like pretty boring. They didn't focus on the young potential cup guys until this episode, which really is like, to me, the heart of hard knocks and what is like the most interesting thing. So the fact that they kind of slow played that just, you know, it wasn't that great to me. I think we're kind of gum- coming on a couple not great years of hard knocks in a row. So yeah. I think we need to get back to at least the Cleveland Browns style one. Yeah, I agree. I think Mike McCarthy's the wrong guy. You have to pick the right coach. Now, it's possible nobody else really wanted to do it. So if you have a willing participant, you just use them. But like, it, yeah, it was an exciting choice. McCarthy is the wrong coach for it. I agree. You have a lot of like B plus A minus players who are not dynamic personalities that you know none of, none of the three receivers are are like they're all well known but none of them are like you know lighting up social media or anything like that um the defense isn't super exciting like just in terms of who like the players are and um yeah i agree and then the, and like the whole thing is like tell us about the you know 76th guy on the roster if he's like making you know trying to make the team and they didn't really do that so they could still salvage a season it's not bad like it's still, you know, worth watching because it's shot so well and, and it, you know, it's a cool show. But I agree. It's been it's been boring about three seasons in a row now. They need like, I don't know. I don't know if they need to like go to New England or just cancel it. I'm not sure. But it, it's, yeah. it's very formulaic. And and less, you know, last season they didn't have preseason games, which hurt. But this year they have them and, and they have the one team that even has four. And, and um, it it's just OK. Yeah, there are three episodes in, and the most uh, exciting person on the screen so far has been Trayvon Diggs' kid. So uh, he's, to me, he was the best part of the show so far. And, you know, even when they went to Trayvon Diggs, it's funny because they had to go to Stefan, who's like, you know, a much bigger personality than Trayvon clearly is, who's very understated. So, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been the greatest. I don't expect it to, you know, get too much better, but probably going to settle in as like a below average season mm-hmm. um all right and so you you said you're a big Dak fan i've been asking this yeah. to a lot of people all right how many qbs in the league would you take over Dak prescott how many qbs would i take in the league over Dak prescott with no questions about it i think mm-hmm. there's maybe five guys and then 
we start to get into territory where um, my bias definitely admittedly creeps in, but I think you can make an argument with him against like most of the second tier QBs. Like uh, I would definitely, I would obviously take Brady, Rogers, Mahomes. I would take Russell Wilson. Maybe I'm forgetting one more, but when you get to the guys who, you know, also admittedly have flaws, I know Chester, like to talk down Josh Allen, like there's no tomorrow. I'm a huge Josh Allen fan, but he is still like one elite year. Whereas like Dak's couple more hot, like consistent high level years. So I think there's a case to be made. I could also see the case on Josh Allen's side. Same thing with like Lamar Jackson and you get through a few of the other guys, but uh, I'm mostly outside of Brady and Rogers over the old guys and uh, onto the younger guys and think uh, that's kind of how they shape up. Uh, for the most part, and who I would take over Dak, like no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to guess where we have the Cowboys ranked from one to thirty-two? I would guess, based on what I've heard so far, you probably have them around like sixteen or seventeen. Okay, so this is a weird uh, math thing. Chester had them twelfth. I had them thirteenth, but. That, that somehow equals they're the 10th ranked team because wow, like some, some of the other teams, one of us is like has nine and one of those has like in the high teens. So that 25 total is is 10th best, even though there's there's four teams like within like a point of them. So but yeah, there was expecting to come into a lot more of a of a negative outlook on them. So that that does shock me. I mean, putting them at 13th in a weak division for me was like, well, they're my playoff pick in the NFC East. But that's also like if they weren't the division winner, that's like the seventh best team, you know, in in the conference. And also, so I'm not like really showering them with praise. I had the Giants at 24. I might move them up now. Like this was, you know, I made this uh, at this point a bunch of weeks ago and like really doing deep dives into the roster. I'm a little higher on the Giants, lower on the Eagles, who I had at 23. And Washington 21, I would also probably move down a spot or two at this point. Uh, but they're they're OK. But, yeah, I'd probably put I'd probably say de- the Eagles are definitely, in my opinion, the worst team in the division. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Unless Jalen Hurts is like, you know, some breakout where mm-hmm. it's, he shows a lot more than he did. I think almost the jump that Lamar Jackson had between his rookie year when he was mostly like running and then the second year when they opened up the passing more, they obviously relied on the running, but definitely opened things up more. Now that's a humongous jump, but if he takes a jump in that direction, then they could potentially be better. Also, I'm not high on the giants. I think uh, Daniel Jones is terrible. So uh, I think that's just one thing that they have the advantage there. I do think the giants are better overall besides that. So I would lean towards the Eagles being the worst team in the division. Yeah, I mean, the, even if like Hertz makes a big jump, uh, it's not like the rest of the team is that good. Like maybe it's like, oh, Devonta Smith is the best of all these rookies and Hertz is getting better. Like it's not impossible, but I, I I don't think there's a ton on that team there. They don't scare me. Washington, like maybe Washington's defense it will just be like remarkable. And that team ends up being decent with Fitzpatrick, who's competent. Or, but I don't know. Um, You know, I mean, ultimately for Dallas, it's like, can you stay healthy? Can the line and Dak stay healthy? I, I wouldn't even last year. I would have said Zeke. Now I'm not even including that. Like, honestly, Pollard was probably just as good as Zeke. Right. When in yeah. subbing for him, I mean, like, get, like, OK, it's uh, week 17, week 17. That, the Cowboys just get, game just ended. What, what are Zeke's numbers for the year? 
now that it's a it's a longer season here's here's the thing i fully i am a huge zeke hater i do i'm not a fan of him the other day on the giants podcast when the guy said that he didn't like he didn't really love saquon barkley and like what they took him alex said cowboys fans appreciate zeke elliott and all that I disagree. It was to me one of the most detrimental picks in the history of the Cowboys because not only should you not take a running back there, they've continued to invest in him and they've over relied on him when he's not nearly the dynamic back he was coming out of college. I went to Indiana. I think he had nine seventy yard runs against us in college. He did that during his rookie year, and he just hasn't had that explosion. We're hearing all that he's in the best shape of his career talk now, which we'll see when it comes but they're gonna always like rely on him to an extent so you know if the line's relatively healthy i still probably see him putting up 1200 yards or something and like you know double digit touchdowns because they're gonna give him the opportunities yeah uh tian's point yeah his rookie year he had uh his long run was 60 yards uh that was if you remember he had 1631 yards his rookie year and then since then Mm -hmm. his longs and again this is with I mean, even last year where it felt like he was, you know, banged up, he still carried the ball 244 times. Um, his longs are 30, 41, 33, and 31. So three of the last four years, he has not topped, the, you know, one run of 33, even though he's probably carried the ball the most of anybody in the league, maybe, other than maybe Derrick Henry in the last four years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's spot on. He gets a zillion touches. Yards per carry went from 5.1 his rookie year all the way uh, down to 4.0 last year. They I, I, Pollard was basically as successful as him. Uh, he has gotten a little bit better at uh, at catching the ball. They, you know, he, he, the first couple of years, it wasn't a big part of his game. Now he catches a lot of passes, but they're getting progressively shorter. He was, he yeah. was catching 11.3 yards per catch in his rookie year. He was down to six and a half, which is probably one of the lowest marks in the league, especially for someone who caught 52 balls last year. So, yeah, uh, yeah. his uh, his uh, pass receiving's always been talked about since he was even in the draft as like a relative strength. To be honest, I don't see it. I don't see it really. I don't think he looks like a natural pass catcher, not to compare him to a guy who's probably the best receiving running back in the league in Alvin Kamara. But like, you know, Kamara catches the ball, smooth moves out of the breaks, like breaks off big plays. Like so many of uh, Zeke's catches are just little dump offs in the flat that don't really lead to much in the long run. So that's why I just feel like he's detrimental. And a lot of it, you know, it's not his fault. He didn't draft himself fifth overall. He didn't give himself an $80 million contract for a running back. And he's not the one scheming up these, uh, like, not great passes to himself. But he's also not breaking off the plays that we need to and making the most of the opportunities. And when I see a guy like Pollard, who, when you look at their overall stat package, it ends up being closer. But just Pollard brings more excitement. He breaks off bigger runs. Like, yeah, he will have, like, eight rushes for... 12 yards and then he has one rush for 42 yards and you know it it just changes things so Zeke I will give him like what they love to give him which is he is when you have a lead one of those grinders who as long as he's not fumbling like last year he helps you conserve a lead like uh Derrick Henry does obviously he does not do it to nearly the extent Derrick Henry does but he does help you salt away a lead like that so that's where he's probably at his best, but that's not what I'm looking for from a running back in 2021 and definitely not for $80 million. Yeah. And by the way, that you made a good point also, which is like with Barkley and Zeke, and we t- we've talked about this a bunch this offseason where it's like, well, we just made this trade for, you know, 
Laramie Tunsil or Jamal Adams or whoever. It's like, and now we have to give him a big deal because otherwise, why'd we give up these, you know, premium draft picks and you're you're boxed into a corner and you want to sign that person. But but now they have so much leverage. And I think it's the same thing with drafting the running back high. It's like stupid because it's stupid, but it's all stupid because like, especially if the same GM is there, which in both cases uh, they are, you know, four or five years later in, in Zeke and, and Saquon. And it's like, well, I have to prove that I was right and I can't let him walk, even though like maybe that would be the right move. We got his best years already. Like Zeke's best years have happened. Not that he's guaranteed not to have a good year, but like, you know, the, the core of his career has already taken place. Um, yeah, it, it's running. It's running back value in 2021 to me. It just, you know, not a good use of assets. If you ask me to na- start naming the most valuable players on the Cowboys and like if they were to get injured, how much it impacts the team, I wouldn't put Zeke. He might not be in my top 10 like that might be he might be close there, but I'd start naming a lot of people before I got to him. And I think I'd name three receivers before yeah. I even got to his. So, name. so for most of the later teams, I have been doing this thing called cores where I where I rank the top 10 players in terms of their long term value to the team. So, you know, for the Rams, let's say Andrew Whitworth is one of the best players on the team, but he's a 39 year old left tackle. So like mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't include him in the top 10, even though he's one of their 10 best players. So I have not done that yet for the Cowboys, but let's let's walk through that. So obviously Dak is one. Uh, after Dak, who else would be in your top 10 of like, here's the core of this team going forward? Yeah, I'll tell you who the best player on the Cowboys is. And he's he's probably the guy I put at number two. And that's Zach Martin. The guy's been, you know, a top guard in the league, no matter which like of these offensive line gurus you look at online. Every single one of them constantly agrees that if he's not the best, he's second or third throughout his entire career. He's an absolute rock. He hasn't missed a ton of time. He did get a little banged up last year. I think missed one or two games, but he's he definitely comes in at my number two spot. Yeah, and then I, I assume you put the receivers, at all the receivers after that. Yeah, I would put the receivers after that, although, you know, I know you can talk about what it takes to make the Super Bowl, and if I said what gives the Cowboys the best chance to make the Super Bowl? It would be that Dak and then the three key offensive linemen. So Martin, Tyron Smith, and Lyle Collins all stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, I think just on the nature of the fact that the Cowboys have no depth on their offensive line, and those three guys are just so critical and they're spread out throughout the line, makes it so that if they're all healthy, no matter what, they have a good line like good to great line with the three of them healthy if they any of the three of them gets hurt and last year Lyle Collins missed the whole season and Tyron missed most of the season then that's when they really run into trouble so in theory it's like I think they could weather the storm of a loss of one of their receivers before they can weather the loss of one of their linemen but I do really think those guys are all in concert with each other that's very much like the top seven along with like Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. And then I would have to think of who the 10th person would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the most offensive centric team in the whole NFL, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you make it, you could maybe argue Kansas city is a little bit like that, that almost everybody on the team, but at least I, I, I mean, there is, you know, there is Parsons is a big deal now and you do have, uh, you know, like the pass rush and stuff like that. But it is it is funny how they built. Although you said they don't have a backup, didn't they? The son they got from Buffalo, like the permanent, very good backup. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, the Siki or something. 
Yeah, I mean, he's also one of those guys that you hear is like a good permanent backup. And then the second he gets put into the game during like a real game situation, he gets blasted on the first play. Mm -hmm. I never trust the Cowboys backups. And in general, like that's been the Cowboys problem. And it's one of the reasons why they get overhyped every year is that they are the glitz and the glamour with the name brand. And they like to pay the guys that they drafted and keep them and make them into these humongous names. So then they end up getting tied up with all their cap only in like a select group of starters, which always kills their depth. And then the second someone goes out, their whole like line or their whole defense just falls apart. So that's always been their problem. So yeah, Nasiki, he's better than what we threw out there last year, like Terrence Steele. And I don't want to talk down on Brandon Knight because he went to Indiana like myself, but you know, they were not great last year filling in and Nasiki's probably a little bit better, but I wouldn't feel so confident in him if Tyron Smith were to go out for any significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, defensively, you guys drafted a ton of guys. They had a, a rare Cowboys, like, you know, large draft class. Went mm-hmm. almost all defense. A couple of linemen, I think, but almost all defense. Anybody exciting you besides Parsons? So it's funny. I actually want to say first that when they drafted Parsons, I was extremely upset. This comes back to the same thing with Zeke, which is just that the Cowboys value the wrong positions always. They're the only team in the league still building from linebacker out the amount that they have invested in it between Jalen Smith's contract, which is terrible, and he's going to be the fifth linebacker this year, potentially, and then Van Der Esch, who they took in the first round, and then Parsons. For a linebacker to be that good like and that valuable at that pick, they need to be able to do everything, and they need to be able to rush the passer. Now, everything out of training camp is showing that Parsons might actually be that guy, which is great. Van Der Esch was amazing for a year and then has dealt with injuries, so – You know, looking back, the pick's not been great. So we'll see with Parsons if he can put it all together. I'm very hopeful for him. I admit I was not in love with it, but I would have preferred Rashawn Slater for offensive line depth. Or the thing I really wanted was I wanted one of the two cornerbacks who went in the top 10 and J.C. Horn and uh, Patrick Sertan. And they went back to back, I think, right before the Cowboys. So I wasn't thrilled with uh, that pick. Other than that, Uh, You know, a lot of these guys that they said that they took are a lot of projects. Um, This kid, Nishan Wright, he's a D-back who's supposed to be big and hopefully will turn into something. There's been a lot of good talk about the third rounder, Osa. I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, but uh, they've been saying a lot of really good things about him this offseason. And D-tackle's been a horror show for the Cowboys for years now. So hopefully he could step in. Other than that, you know, it's mostly guys I'm hopeful will turn into something, but a lot of shots, a lot of projects. So we'll see kind of what they turn into. Mm-hmm. By the way, you mentioned Indiana. We could do a minute. I, so you're a big Indiana fan, right? The Hoosiers football team. That's uh, yep. now. All right. So uh, Indiana, uh, I, I was just I was doing uh, looking up Big Ten stuff for, for some other project. Um, <laughs> the I so I was like, all right, how's this team going to do? They're they're 100 to 1 to win the national title. They're not winning the national title. Their record, their schedule is really tough. Indiana, they have they have an yeah. early game with Cincinnati. They go to Iowa and Penn State. Uh, so they yeah, four of their first seven games are top 20 teams. So how, how do you think Indiana is going to do this year? Yeah, that's uh that's the curse of the conference and the divisions. The way they break out in the Big Ten is uh, our side of the division is Ohio State, us. Uh, 
Michigan, Penn State. So, you know, obviously for years we were looked at as that team to kind of run roughshod over, but Tom Allen's done an amazing job turning the program around. And it's crazy to see us actually get four-star recruits when I was used to Zeke running us over and Wisconsin, I think beat us 70 to three, one of my years when I was in college. So to see us, especially with a great defense last year, it was amazing. I love what they're doing. Uh, we have a tough schedule. I'm hopeful that we can pull uh, a couple of those uh, borderline games out. It's always going to be tough to beat Ohio state, but I'm confident, you know, a couple things break right that we could come out of there with eight or nine wins, which looking back on what I've been there for would be an absolute miracle and would be awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, the, the, the big 10 is always very unbalanced. Like, because if the, the worst thing that could happen is like, a, is basically what happened, which is, I mean, it happened a little bit in the West with Northwestern, but the West is not as deep to begin with. So it's like the worst thing that happens is like, Oh, a, a team that's not Penn state, Ohio state or Michigan becomes good and it's now like oh this is now even not that the, the east is so strong the big 10 east because the big 10 in general after the the one very 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 good team is actually kind of crappy but like the you know but it's still like it, it is still unbalanced east to west although i don't know i mean the bad teams are pretty bad now like illinois purdue they're th those teams are terrible so yeah. Yeah. Purdue stinks. I could always say that as an Indiana fan, but yeah, it's just Ohio state's so good that it sets the baseline for the East so much higher than the West that it's like if one or two teams come out of the East besides Ohio state, it's already a super top heavy division versus one or two coming out total on the left without Ohio state being one of those teams. So and it, it, it's always tough. And I know we have a bunch of Michigan and Michigan state fans uh, in our universe and um, both those teams are going to be really bad this year. Yeah, and hopefully they stay that way because there's nothing that makes me happier than Michigan not being good. I, I, I honestly like I am fine with Michigan State not being good. I think I think it's more exciting if it's like sad that when Michigan's bad a little bit. Like I don't want them to like necessarily win the national title, but it's sad with Michigan being like irrelevant, which I think they're probably going to be this year. Is like is is not I don't know. It's not fun. It's like I don't root for the Yankees, but if the Yankees go like 79 and 83, like, you know, there's like a slightly less legitimate, uh, uh, you know, like aura around baseball. Wait, so you're uh, we usually ask this up front since this is your first episode. How do you become a Cowboys fan? Because you're not from Dallas at all, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, I'm the perfect representation. I'm from New Jersey and I've never been to Texas. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm just a, I was a huge pain, pain in the ass as a kid. I refused to like the local teams. It just wasn't something that connected for me because I wasn't going to follow what my dad liked because I wanted to be a pain in his ass. And then I definitely wasn't going to like the non teams that he liked. And he's a Mets, Jets and Nets fan. So he's a sad sack fan. So I wasn't going to hop on like the Giants and the uh, Yankees. So I look for the teams that I gravitated to, which uh, makes me one of probably the only Dallas Cowboys, Atlanta Braves and Minnesota Timberwolves fans that exists in this world. Yeah, well, you have you have a bond with with uh, Chester, with the Timberwolves. The Atlanta Braves are are like the Cowboys are a little bit trolly because they're the Giants rival. But I guess you were thinking more of like a Jets type of thing if you grew up in a Jets household. And mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the 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 Braves are trolly because if your dad is a Mets fan, it's like that's like disrespectful almost to become a Braves fan. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I would have disowned you. You would have been like paying for your own dinner if you if like there was a Braves fan. My kids will like troll me and say that they like the Yankees or the Marlins because my wife's from Florida. But like, you know, 
I'll just yeah, I'd rather I, them not like sports at that point. Oddly enough, my dad, uh, my dad grew up right outside Yankee Stadium, hated the Yankees his whole life. So even he started as a troll and he started as a Braves fan for the first few years of his life because he loved Eddie Matthews. And then uh, the Mets came around. Oh, yeah, there were no he, Mets, though. So, yeah. Yeah. So he switched to being a Mets fan. And then I grew up being a Braves fan because of Chipper Jones. So a different generation of third baseman. And then uh, once that was uh, done, I didn't switch over because there's no way I would ever be the Mets fan. I mean, that is so trolly. Like you, growing up in New Jersey and you love Chipper Jones. Jeez. Oh, yeah. you still love it, Chipper it, Jones? Of course. Are you kidding me? I have his book sitting right next to me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. Chipper Jones. Um, like he, Chipper Jones also just like uh, like uh, the, the first troll player. Oh, yeah. It was, right. uh, didn't he, didn't it was he name great. his kid Shay? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. uh, what it's one of my favorite things ever. And uh, they were walking by uh, it, I guess, before it was demolished. And he, the kid, pointed at it. He's like, "Is that is that what I'm named after?" So yeah, it was great. I do miss Shea Stadium. Um, uh, okay, so the Cowboys over under is nine. They're thirty to one to win it all, which puts them in the same league as Miami, which, you know, that's interesting. The Chargers, like, okay, people think Herbert might get better. The Steelers, the Saints, the Colts, the Patriots. Uh, somehow Denver's 30 to one. That has to, that seems weird. Anyway, I maybe that's 31, like assuming like if they somehow trade for a quarterback or something. So, all right. Um, make me the case that a, cause we're looking for a 30 to one or longer long shot to win the Super Bowl. Chester and I, we have to place a bet on a 30 to one or higher long shot. So make make a case for me that uh, the Cowboys should be that team. What's the scenario? I know you said stay healthy, but, you know, league wide, what what has to happen for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a long shot, but with all the teams you named, I think the biggest thing for me is that the Cowboys have the clearest path to the playoffs. I think they're the best team in a bad division versus I think all the other teams you named, the Chargers have to or have no chance of winning their division. And uh, I think the Steelers are behind the Ravens for the most part at this point. I mean, who knows with them in the regular season, they always overachieve at least for the first 14 weeks. So uh, we'll see what they do. But I think the Cowboys just have an easier path to the playoffs than those teams. The Cowboys also, in my opinion, as I named, have a better quarterback than any of those teams that we really went over. All the teams that all the QBs that I said, no doubt above them that I would take are all teams that have much better odds to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I put my faith in Dak. Uh, I think maybe Kellen Moore developing even more as an offensive play caller and less focus on uh, Zeke. And then they brought in Dan Quinn to run the defense this offseason after uh, last year was just a disaster. So hopefully that changed a few things. You have optimism when you have a new defensive coordinator. If Parsons can come in and make an impact on the defense and Trayvon Diggs develops into uh, more of a number one cornerback or we get something from the other rookies, they clearly have the offense to do it, especially if healthy. We barely touched on it, but their receivers are, you know, up there for best trio in the league if they're not the best trio. So uh, they have the offense. If their defense jumps, I mean, I don't love McCarthy. I don't hate him as much as you and Chester do, especially Chester. But he's won a Super Bowl, so he's at least shown he can do it, even if some people think it's always been in spite of himself. So I think there is the opportunity. I obviously wouldn't. I'm going to put money on it as like a bet like I do every year. Um, but, you know, I think they have a better chance than a lot of the teams you name. 
Okay, and now uh, that's like ideal scenario, but realistically, the over-under is nine. It's a tricky number in a 17-game season. Nine and eight being a push means that you have to think they're going to be a losing team to go under, but going over means like they're probably going to win the division at 10 and seven in, in that division, or at least be right, be in the mix. Um, so what do you think? Where would you, if you could, if you could be impartial for a second, would you go over or under nine wins for Dallas? Without going through the actual schedule, I would go over because I think there's a very real chance that they win five games in the division. Um, I'll give the Washington game away, even though, uh, my brother-in-law is a Washington fan, so I won't tell him that, but, uh, I'll say that the away game there, they get the win. Other than that, I think the Cowboys should be favored in the rest of the uh, games within the division for the most part. Yeah. And so I think, I think they got five there. The worst case scenario, and I think we only have about a minute left for the bomb, but the worst case scenario is it, it seemed like McCarthy was losing the players respect a little bit, at least in the media. Somebody was leaking. I don't know who it was, but there were some weird leaks last year. Uh, like best case scenario, I mean, they do have a good staff. I think Quinn is like a grown up defensive coordinator. Kellen Moore is, I think, solid as the OC. So he has a real staff there. But I, I think like the worst case scenario is like they lose a couple games they shouldn't early and things just completely fall apart in Dallas. Nobody's really sure if Dak's going to be able to hold up. Like he's coming back from a horrific injury and the backup situation. I mean, who's the real backup? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.